I think if we can solve the world's problems in 30 minutes or so, I think we're doing all right, right? <laughs> uh, that's how that looks. So welcome back to My America. Uh, I'm one of the hosts. I'm Dan. I'm insignificant, so I'm going to pass this over to Kim. Uh, but we are talking about something really very powerful today. Kim, you want to explain a little bit about what we're doing today? Uh, today we are going to solve our unhoused crisis that we have here in our country. We're going to fix it. Um, so you, just ahead of the show, I want to say you're welcome to everybody. Um, yeah. No, no, uh, we're going to talk today about uh, a couple different um, factors when it comes to looking at um, our unhoused um, crisis that we have in this country, what we can do to help our fellow community members who are going through it, uh, you know, probably the roughest time in their lives, what we can do to help them, what we can do to be of service in our community. Uh, all that kind of stuff. And luckily we have an expert in this field. I love it when we have a guest on the show. Um, as much as I enjoy talking to you, Kim, um, <laughs> different perspectives are so important. And uh, my my friend and my expert's connection to the world uh, is Jeshua and uh, Jeshua Laka. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. My friend. Thank you. My yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, the reason I... Uh, approached Jeshua is because, um, first of all, a long, long time relationship between us that started actually Kim even asked, how did you, how did, how do you know Jeshua? I said, well, tweet up Kalamazoo. That's Where right. <laughs> That's absolutely Twitter right. brought yeah. us together. Uh, but over the years I've watched, uh, and we've, we've had conversations. I've watched your career grow, but also your volunteering. And that's where I want to get to is, um, you do a lot of work with something called Mel Trotter ministries, uh, and I believe that you have a real heart for helping the unhoused, helping to solve our homelessness crisis that we have going on here. And I'm going to go back and forth between those two terms. I understand, like Kim, you, you talked about unhoused, and that's a newer term for it. So many of us talk about homelessness. And I know there's some nuances there. I know there's a discussion to be had there as well. But for this particular conversation, I personally would like to ask, can we just go back and forth between those two things? Does that sound good? I, I'm perfectly fine with that. There, There is nuance in Usually when we refer to the people that, that we service at, at Mel Trotter who are experiencing homelessness, we call them our guests. Um, but I think for our purposes, the unhoused and homelessness, it, let's use those interchangeably for, for this purpose. I'm very fine with that. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Um, and I know, like, and again, Kim, you and I can have maybe further conversation later about the differences and, and get into that. But for now, solving the homelessness crisis, working with our unhoused, working with guests um, at shelters and other places um, is really important. So let's get into a little bit. Um, Jeshua, if you would talk to, talk to us a little bit about Mel Trotter and what, what you do, how you do it, why you do it in particular. Um, talk to us about Mel Trotter, if you would. Oh yeah. So th there's a lot there. Um, I guess I'll just start by giving a little bit of background about, about Mel Trotter Ministries. So Mel Trotter is a gospel rescue mission organization that was founded in 1901 it's been around for a, a long time. It was actually started by a guy named Mel Trotter. And Mel Trotter's story essentially was Mel was, uh, he was, he was one of the guests that we typically would see through our program. Mel was, um, he was an alcoholic. He was, um, he was abusive to his family. He was making very poor life decisions. And the ultimate life decision he made one day was um, he traveled to Chicago and was going to walk off the pier and commit suicide. He was walking past the Pacific Garden Rescue Mission in Chicago when somebody grabbed him and said, come on in. 
And it was through that type of uh, that that life interaction with somebody bringing him in, Mel's uh, life was changed. And you know there are a lot of aspects to that. But let's you know I'll, I, there's a there's a faith element to every gospel rescue mission. And I would say that Mel encountered a God that that valued him, and he encountered people who valued him and saw dignity in him just because he was a he was a human. Doesn't matter the choices he's made; those things didn't define him. And ultimately, Mel went on to go start up the Grand Rapids Rescue Mission because of the need, the problems, the homelessness, the um, people with life situations like him. And ultimately, he went there and he started up 68 other rescue missions across the country. And the whole goal simply being people coming in with various different backgrounds that led them to situational homelessness. and letting them start out, um, get, the, get the resources that they needed, and then hopefully become back in, in the community. And so that's a little bit about the history behind Mel Trotter, what we do. Um, bottom line, I would say that we are the safety net for the community. We are there number one for emergency situations, for people who are, home, who are experiencing homelessness for a lot of different reasons. And then at the same time, we're also there. We have programs that different guests can go through. So not we don't just provide emergency release, housing and, and food, but it's also for people who have obstacles, very specific barriers in their lives that are, are, are in the way of them becoming um, connected back to the community, uh, kind of a twofold approach. So all of that, that that's, that's a little bit of Mel Trotter. Um, do you want me to talk a little bit about why I'm involved with Mel Trotter, or do you want to have any specific questions before that? Yeah, uh, nothing um, specific. Just just why why like you are you know middle class, maybe upper middle class. You, you you're an attorney. You're successful. You have a family. You have a lot going on. What brought you to this? I, I want to help in this aspect. Yeah, in um, quite. A, I mean, we all have different stories, and mine is probably different than what brought a lot of people to serve in those roles. Um, the, the bottom line for me is that when I would see people walk through the doors of a, of a rescue mission, typically it's people who, who've got a lot of, there's a lot of different factors in there, but a lot of themes are, are in their lives of poverty, of addiction, of alcoholism, of trauma, abuse. Those are, those are themes through a lot of people that would cause them to go into the rescue mission. Those are the themes that are part of my story growing up. I mean, my my earliest memories are living with my mom and my three siblings in a relative's basement. My mom never was a high school dropout. My dad was a heroin addict. He uh, he ended up dying from his drug addiction. Spent time in prison. Um, all of our early childhood was had those themes in it. And but for the grace of God, uh, that's where where I should be. Um, but ultimately, you know, I went to law school primarily because I got to see. Uh, um, I really, really wanted to, to learn about ways to provide justice for different people who particularly experienced vulnerability like I had as a kid. And so when I was able to, um, it just made natural sense to, to give back and to be connected with people, quite honestly, that I, I can see them come in and, and feel like they're family in a lot of respects. Incredible. That's powerful. Kim, where, where, where are you at? First of all, I love the story of how this whole about how he was able to start this organization because whenever I hear a place being named after somebody I'm like what 
Are we naming after them because they have a lot of money? But it's such an inspirational story, his story. And then I think name, just the name itself even can give people a lot of hope because look at what he was able to do with help. Kim, you're absolutely right. I mean, that is such a great point. And it's what we we often, and I say we, and I mean our staff, we've got a, a, a very large staff who are really um, involved in the daily lives of, of people that come in, but something that just this, this, this inherent value in the life, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be where your story ends. It doesn't have to be your defining moment. And, and we can tell people that the people coming in, you could be the next Mel Treader. who knows what God is going to do in a life. Uh, we see potential in every life. One of my questions for you is, um, Joshua, we're, Kim and I were talking about a lot of what we talk about on this podcast, in particular, these conversations is what is the government's role? Um, we talk about a, lot, a lot about politics. Um, and I'd love to know, you know, you are so involved in this private entity, this non not-for-profit. And I feel like so many of us get into this binary mindset of, well, we have nonprofits, so the government doesn't need to do anything. Or the government should do everything because private sector is just so like dangerous. I don't believe it's binary by any means. I believe there's a mix, but I'd like to know from you, how do you see government and private working together? Is, should it, should it be ministries? Should it like, when I talk about that, where does your mind go? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I would say it goes along the lines of, of what you were talking about. I'd say that the homelessness or the, the unhoused problem it's a community-wide problem, and we all have our roles to play. And hopefully, that means collaboration. That means private-public collaboration. Not only the nonprofits, not only the, the not only local in in every every other sector, every other government entity, but um, private citizens. If we're businesses that are working in a community, we we if this is our community, we have some role to play. It's not going to be the same for everybody. Um, but it's definitely collaboration and it's complex. So I don't have the answers to that. <laughs> right, we're going to solve it. Come on. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Complicated, complex. Absolutely. Well, it, it made me think of another question that I have, which is I live in Los Angeles. Um, we have a, a pretty big uh, unhoused problem here in LA that um, is complicated, made complicated by a couple different factors. It's, you know, throughout all through America, but also in a densely populated area like Los Angeles, it's hard to build. Um, we passed a housing first initiative. It's been very slow going. Um, we really haven't seen a lot of the building that we should be seeing by now. Um, and, and some groups have put forth and been able to roll out programming to help. Um, we have, we've seen two tiny home villages come up, which has been great. Um, you know, they're, they're literally just like a little tiny home with, uh, two twin beds, a lockable door and a desk. Uh, and then the whole area is secure and there's a guard there 24 seven. But I'm wondering, I guess what people can do in the meantime, if how we can help somebody who is, you know, we have a lot of, I, we, I have here in my neighborhood, I have Ramon, he's right down the street. Um, he is, he, he does not have a house to live in. He lives in a tent right there on the corner. Um, 
And I'm not really sure, you know, now he has a temp. So now he has a little bit more. It's not, that's not the solution, but you know, he has something. Whereas for, for the first like two years that I was living here, it was literally just him sleeping on the ground outside by himself. And I guess I'm wondering if you have advice for people that are wondering the same thing, what can we do to be helpful, but also to be helpful to our, ourselves as well? I know that doesn't feel like the right way to answer, to ask that question, but Tim, I appreciate the question, and I also appreciate just kind of a little bit of your authenticity because it's 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 messy. Um, it's not they they aren't easy. It's let's just acknowledge um, the tensions that we feel because we do. We can feel tensions of of walking in places that there are people who are situationally homeless that that um, are experiencing homelessness that you might not feel comfortable around. I mean, it's that's a real thing, and so I, I think acknowledging that. And not not pretending that it's not there, not is 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 really important. And I think that at the same time, what acknowledging that does, um, it it allows us to. Um, I mean, you said Ramona, you you know his name. I I think that's that's wonderful. I wonder how many people uh, that are in your area know Ramon's name, and how many are not taking the time to get to know that he has a name. Yeah. So I, all of that is, uh, you know. There's a couple of different things I think I think of. I mean, there are things that we we can all do. Um, you know, there are the most immediate thing, obviously, is there are organizations that are part of the solution and giving our time and, and money to those organizations. That's one thing. Um, another thing that I simply, you know, the the housing first initiative in, in general, I, you know, I, I'll I'll just say that. There, there are aspects of it that I think are really good. I think that there are different aspects of it that um, I think are important when you're dealing with um, when you're when dealing with people who are, are unhoused to address. I mean, so one of the things simply being, um, you know, we have a, a saying at Mel Trotter where, you know, what what is I mean, some of the some of the real problems of homelessness of people experiencing homelessness is really a lack of, of community, a laugh, lack of relationships, simply meaning, you know, I'll go back to my experience, you know, as a kid living in a relative's basement, for all practical purposes, we should have been homeless and a lot of other, but we had a safety net. It wasn't a great safety net. I'll be honest. It wasn't the safest place for kids to be, but it was something that kept us out of, out of being on the streets or in a shelter. It was, we had community. We had, um, and a lot of these people, uh, people who will go through the shelter, it's because they've, they have no community. They don't have safety nets for a lot of different reasons. It's very complicated, but, but they don't. And so part of what typically uh, we'll tell people we're about at Mel Trotter Ministries is that we're being community for people. Because if one of the problems with people ending up in a situation where they don't have houses, a lack of community, we need to provide community to that. And as simple as knowing somebody's name and telling them they have value, I think goes a lot of way to, to making that community. That, that, that makes me think of when you were talking about Mel's story and how somebody grabbed him and brought him in. So I love that perspective. Simply bringing someone in, Kim, you knowing this person's name down the street that most people wouldn't, wouldn't even give the time of day. Um, I've heard stories of people who are unhoused saying, if you just look me in the eye and acknowledge me, you don't have to give me anything that, that alone 
recognizing that I'm a human is so important. So all of that yeah. is beautiful. Um, just so you mentioned the housing first initiative. And that's one of the things that like got me thinking about this conversation. Um, and just for anybody who's listening, doesn't know housing first is this homelessness assistance approach that prioritizes providing permanent housing to people who are unhoused, um, thus ending their homelessness and serving as a platform from which they can pursue personal goals and improve their quality of life. So to me, the simple thing there is like, we'll give them a house or give, give them a home of some kind and, and, and they'll begin to build their life. It sounds so simple, but you mentioned there's, there's some, some issues with it. Like nothing, of course, nothing's perfect. Everything's complicated. It's messy. We, we've established that. Um, where, where does the problem lie in that? It, it almost feels too, too good to be true. Give them a place to live, give them that, that locking door and they'll figure the rest out or give them other resources as well. Where does that fall short in your mind? Yeah. So I, I, I first, I guess I'll, I'll say, I do appreciate things about the approach simply being that there are basic needs that have to be met before we can move on and address other areas. And I get that. And, and as, you know, as I was reading up a little bit about the housing first initiative, you know, it reminds me somewhat of how, how uh, of at-risk children in school systems. And so I, one thing I do uh, is I, I mentor kids through kids hope USA and what that does, it places you in different schools and you just met, you meet once a week with the child. And I've been doing that for the last seven years in the school system I'm at, most of these children I would call are at risk, meaning they don't have their basic necessities. So, so don't even think about even learning for most of them. It's they need a meal. They need they they need safety. They need they need to they need. It's just a that bare minimum has to be in place before they can even learn. And so I look at 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 that and I say. I can see the what, what Housing First Initiative is 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 trying to get to and doing right. I think one of the things that I see um, at, at Mel Trotter and just in our community is uh, the face of homelessness is very different for each person. It's homelessness is complex, meaning people are experiencing homelessness for a lot of different reasons, and there are some people who are situationally homeless, meaning you know my. For instance, my car broke down a couple of weeks ago and um, we were stuck and, and thankfully I had the money to fix it. But what about those who are on a fixed income and they don't have an emergency fund? They're just scraping by. Maybe it's, it, they don't have, maybe their housing is, is uh, they don't have affordable housing. They're in a place just trying to, trying to pay their rent and then they have this emergency situation happen and, and now they're situationally homeless. Well, for, for a situation like that, Housing first, certainly, um, if housing is the, the need, it makes sense that housing would be the primary answer, but community around all of that. Um, but there are a lot of other obstacles people have to entering into uh, community. So mental health issues, things of that nature, um, obviously addictions, and, and they're just, it's just complex. And so I just have, a, you know, it's, it's hard to think that housing in and of itself will fix all the others. And I know that's a generalization and that's probably not doing yeah. justice to the housing initiative, but in general, I guess those are my, would be my, my concerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. Great insights. It brings up, um, such a great point, which is that I think that a lot of people, especially when you 
as somebody who is privileged enough to live in a house or an apartment and in a place that is they feel secure. Um, sometimes I think that people coming from that point of privilege who have not seen the other side of it are pretty judgmental about seeing about seeing somebody in the worst moment of their life. And it is like you're saying it's situational. I mean, it is anything. Um, we live in a country that minimum wage is often too low for a one bedroom. We don't know, you know, this, I think that people sometimes can write off somebody they see on the street, um, who needs some help or is, isn't even looking for help in the moment. It just happens to be where they're stopped at a stoplight and it's easy to judge, but we don't know. There's a lot of different reasons like you just named. There's, it's not just about, well, get a job. A lot of people have jobs. Los, Los Angeles is very expensive. We have a high minimum wage, but a, I mean, they've shown all throughout the country. Minimum wage doesn't pay for rent. So you just never uh, know. And part of it made me think when you were talking about how sometimes people, it's easy for them to kind of brush off or maybe Dan, you said it like. Um, even just locking eyes and acknowledging another person. And I wonder if people who don't want to do that, if that comes from being embarrassed, well, I don't want to acknowledge that I have nothing to give in this moment. But like you have humanity to give, you have a little piece of, you can wave hello. It's not going to cost you anything to be a decent human being to another human being. Yeah. That's really good, Kim. Everything that, yeah, I, I completely agree. And the things that it reminds me of, um, you know, uh, it, an author that I highly, highly respect um, is Brian Stevenson of Equal Justice Initiative, the, the book Just Mercy that was turned into a movie a couple of years ago. Yeah, one of the things that Brian Stevenson talks about is being proximate to those who are different. You're absolutely right. So, so often it's easy for us to judge when we're not in relationship with people. It costs. It it is. It it, it can be difficult. Um, it can be uncomfortable. But just like it's uncomfortable acknowledging, uh, let's say Ramon or somebody on the on the street, it's it can be uncomfortable. But being proximate to people who are different than us and understanding that, but for the grace of God, we could be in that situation. You're absolutely right. I, I completely agree. That's all I'm really looking for out of this podcast. Mm -hmm. It's a, Kim's just, just trying to check marks of who and, agrees uh, with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, otherwise, this episode would have never aired. <laughs> She's making check marks. Jesse lives in Grand Rapids, a pretty conservative city. No idea your political <laughs> affiliation, but guess what? He agrees. So there you go. So, um, so signing off on it. <laughs> one of the things I think about is, you know, as 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 we're talking about all of this, we we have a heart to help. And, and I think so many of us do, even if you're a little bit uncomfortable, if you're a little bit embarrassed, whatever that is that you don't want to lock eyes, whatever it is, you, you don't want to give up your money, whatever. Like one of the things that I think about is this idea that somebody's faking it. We've seen news stories, exposés on the person on the corner who then goes around the corner and gets in their apartment and they actually drive a nicer car than I do. And blah, blah, blah. like, we see these things. And while that may be a truth for some people, how much do we think as a group, the three of us here, has that hurt us? Like how many people look at somebody on the corner and they think they're not actually poor. They're just making money and not paying taxes. Screw it. I don't care. Like, wh why are we there right now? Because the news is bad, Dan. I mean, <laughs> I mean headlines those, those, sell ads, right? Yeah, those, those 
exposés, which I don't really see so much anymore, but I also don't watch a ton of um, local news just because I don't have cable. Um, but I, I mean, I don't really see a lot of those headlines anymore. But things like that are not helpful to any of us. I think really for anything, um, for humanity, for any of it. Those it is it's it is challenging um, because there is this underlying thought that you don't know where your money is going to the person on this. I, I completely get that, but I think there are a couple of things that are easy, they're relatively easy that you can do about it, and easy meaning it doesn't take a whole lot of effort or time. Um, I guess for one thing, you know, Grand Rapids, the the homelessness, the 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 number of people who are unhoused has increased um, very, uh, very recognizably in the last year and a half through COVID and the encampments, the number of people and the number of people on the streets with signs have as well. And I was personally, I think, even um, concerned about what to what to what personally should I do with that? And I think that's something is what what for each of us, what what should we do about about that? And in my own response of what I was going to do is me and my kids, we put together care packets. That's what we did. And so because I'm driving downtown to work and I'm encountering people with signs, it means I had a care packet in the car so I could roll down the window and give them a care packet. And I'll tell you that, do I know what their situation went? No, but every one of them gave me a really nice smile. Um, and so I know I was doing something. And at the same time, I know that I'm supporting organizations who are there to help people like that and who are reaching out like on the, uh, with the signs. That's great. I, I love having something in your car that you can just so easily pass over. No questions just here. Yeah, for sure. I, I heard in a, in a similar fashion, I heard, I had a, a friend of mine, um, Patrick tell me a story about how when he was walking somewhere in a city and someone was asking for money, um, he made the comment to his dad why did you give him that dollar or that $2, whatever? He, he's just going to go drink it away. And his dad said to him, son, it is not, that's not my sin. And it's all framed in, in faith for, for Patrick. He's, he's Catholic and, and devoutly. So, and he said, my dad said, it's not my sin. It's my sin to ignore someone and not give to the poor. Cause that's my calling is to give whatever they do with it. That's on, that's on them or not. I don't have to judge them. And I just thought that was like a great way to think about it too, is that, yeah, are those out there that are maybe fake? Maybe, but what is, what is showing them humanity cost me a couple of bucks, maybe, or a care packet or a smile, an acknowledgement that they're human. So I think of it that way too. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's hard because I do, I, my reptilian mind goes to, well, I mean, are you really, are you, are you really a veteran? Are you really homeless as your sign set. Like, are you, but it's not my place to judge. And so I love your perspective of kindness and compassion, Jeshua. Well, we solved it. No, we, we did it. it. Yeah, we did it. it is. I just don't think that there's that many people that are faking it. I think that that is something that the news has done to us. I want to really like come back to that because yeah. um, while I can acknowledge that, that that's a thought you have, like there's not, that's just, that's what the news has done to all of us is to have that yeah. like um pessimism first <laughs> outlook um no. but i just i cannot imagine that the number is so high um that it's more likely that you know somebody's lying about their that 
being in that place in their life. I think what's more likely is that that a couple local news places found a person and then decided to um, really go all in on this narrative that everybody is lying and we should not believe them or, or, and then we should not help them, which is um, very detrimental. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is a great conversation, Joshua. Thank you for the work you do in your community, which affects the entire world. Thank you for sharing on social when you do. Um, Is there any place you want to send folks to learn more about you or these organizations that you support? Um, probably the easiest one is just Mel Trotter's website, www.meltrotter.org. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. And again, Joshua is very active on social media, shares a lot of great stuff, um, inspirational. I love that you still do follow Friday. Um, when I, when I see that, Thanks, I mean, I'm like, <laughs> but even when I'm not, I'm like, I'm going to go look at that group because you always share so many great folks. So, um, Joshua, thank you for taking time to be a part of this conversation, my friend. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate the invitation. Kim, very nice to, to talk with you as well. Very nice to meet you. Thank you so much. You had a lot of great stuff to say. I appreciate the time. All right. Take care. So that was a great conversation with Jeshua. That Um, was awesome. So, so much. Jeshua, we we truly can't thank you enough, uh, my friend. I love his heart for giving. I love that he calls it messy and complex. It's not just a single issue. When I pushed him a little bit, I didn't push him, but when I asked him on the housing first and like, well, what don't you like about it? He had, he, he, instead of saying what he doesn't like it, he had great things to say. Yeah, about it. I know it was great. dude. I love, I love this. Like you just want to solve yeah. this. Um, I don't know if we can ever necessarily solve it, but can we mitigate what's going on? Like, I don't know if this is true. I haven't done my research. I feel like every society has its unhoused, right? There are those who don't have a home for whatever reason, um, situational, whatever you want to call it, but like, can we ever completely solve it? Maybe not, but can we at least help more? Absolutely. That's my thought on that part. Anyway, I don't yeah. know. Maybe you think I'm wrong. Think I'm full yeah, of it. Of course I do. Can we solve it? Um, I think that Jeshua and I solved I it you so much. I, I know. Just keep reminding okay. yourself that <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. we're on so the same much. team. We're on the same team. No, no. Um, In my family, we don't say, I hate you. We say, I love you so much right now. <laughs> That feels the same as it was the last thing you ever say. No, anyway. it feels like the uh, same thing as sorry, at work. We'll say, um, live in the dream because nightmares can be dreams too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, anyway. no, I, I think some of the things that really stuck out to me in his conversation was, um, the using the phrase situationally homeless and experiencing homelessness. And we talked at the top that we were going to come back to homelessness versus unhoused. And I, yeah. I don't, language is evolving which is very cool my mom and i just had a conversation about something else um but dealing with the kind of current evolution of language as we try and um become more inclusive and and less judgmental with the way that we describe things um and situations and and people and kind of everything but i think for the reason that i i personally prefer using the phrase unhoused but think that there is a place for the word homelessness is that i think Homelessness is a problem that has been caused at a state and city level. I think having low minimum wages, having high rent, high housing markets, all that kind of stuff, that all has been caused at a governmental level. 
being unhoused is not who you are. It is a current state that you might be experiencing. That's the difference for me. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's how I see it in my own head. So obviously it's right. Um, and then situational course, homelessness is, and being situationally unhoused is, um, I think, important, too, because, again, um, you are not the whole of your being is not this one moment in your life. That's not who you are forever. That is not even in this in the moment that you are experiencing it. That is not all you are. We're human beings. We're complex. Right. Um, but often for a lot of people, it is situational. You know, Los Angeles is a freelance. A lot of people here are freelance professionals um, in a in a seasonal. It's becoming less so, but in a seasonal industry, that's going to happen a yeah. lot when you don't pay people. Um, it's, you know, our housing market is completely upside down. That's so all these things are not yeah. going to be forever. So I think situate using the, the phrase situational is, is really important too. I like yeah. that a lot. It It's incredibly humbling to know that so many of us, even when we're thinking like I consider myself middle-class, maybe even like middle, middle-class, not necessarily lower middle-class. We don't live paycheck by paycheck to paycheck. We, we are blessed. We do, we do give to help others too. So I'm not like hoarding all the money kind of thing. Um, but we're blessed. I don't, I don't worry about my next meal. I don't worry about our house payment. I don't worry about these things. So I know how privileged of a position that is. I also know that that could change even at our station in life mm -hmm. in a moment. All it takes is some kind of medical catastrophe. All it takes is for a company to let me go, which has happened in the past. And I was truly worried. I also have, again, I, I go back to my faith. Like I stopped and prayed and, and then I got to work. Like I did both. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I found myself in a position to find another job, but that doesn't always happen. You can lose a job. You have a medical catastrophe, something else, uh, you know, a, a death of a spouse or a partner or some like so many things can happen. Addiction can rear its head. Um, we just we just don't know. And so quickly can we become that situationally homeless, mm -hmm. which then begets this whole spiral of once once you don't have a home and you don't have regular great clothes or maybe access the money for haircut like how hard is it to get a job yeah what if you're just getting out of prison you've you've served your time whether you should have been there or not it's like you served your time you're out you have a felony in your record how many aren't going to hire you because of a felony all those things can add up to someone being unhoused mm -hmm. situationally homeless and we look at them and we go man eh, not my problem how quickly could one of us be there yeah. right like that i anyway it <laughs> As somebody who doesn't make a lot of money in an industry where a lot of people make a lot of money, I'll tell you that when you don't have money, it is hard to it, it is once you hit a certain level of not having a lot of money, it is so much easier to lose than gain. It is so much easier to just be like bleeding money through bills and let me just put it on a credit card bill. Well, now I have interest and let me just put off and um, put off and put off and put off. It becomes, I, I, it is much easier to like spiral on down to not having a whole lot of money than it is to gain yep. that money and build yourself back up. Yep. And I think that um, some, a lot of people forget that pretty often. An incredible situation our society faces. Mm -hmm. 
a, a crisis of epic proportions. We need to, uh, we need to definitely start to work on this. And I, and I believe like as Jeshua said, it's not an either or situation. It has to be private sector or it has to be the public sector, the government taking care of it. It can be both. There are partnerships to be had. There's more that our government can do and there's more the citizens should be doing as well. So, and it is, it's just, it's hard. It is difficult. When I drive past someone who is holding up a sign that says, you know, God bless, I'm a veteran, whatever. Like it, it's hard to not make a stamp judgment, whether it's nervousness or whether it's con- judgment, whatever it is. Um, so I, th- I think, I think acknowledging that and facing that may help others to go, okay, I'm not terrible for having those thoughts. Now, how do I fix it? That's my hope. Yeah. Is that even those, those who are working on fixing it can still have those thoughts too. Those of us who want to fix it can still have those thoughts. Like it's, but then what do we do about that? See them as humans and help their humanity. Yeah. There you go. Listen, Kim, another episode in the books. I am Don't tell me so to happy. listen. I'll listen if I want I, to listen. I'm, you will listen. You probably won't. Uh, I'm so happy that all four of our listeners, well, five now, because Jeshua probably is going to listen to this, hopefully, we got uh, him. <laughs> have, uh, have taken something away from this. Find some hope. Let's go out and do some work. Um, sending thoughts and prayers doesn't fix it. We got we to also work. Yep. So there you go. There's my little, my little jab. Uh, you can follow m- me and converse with me on social at Dan Moyle. Uh, and then, of course, at My America Pod for our, our show. And you are. I am Kim Moffat. And in this moment, I'm realizing that what I wish I had the foresight to do years ago, when not that many people were on Twitter, because you and I have been on Twitter for a long time, is to just grab Kim Moffat is right. Because in this moment, I wish that, that was my idea. <laughs> you could be like, I'm Dan Moyle. I'd be like, and I'm Kim Moffat is right. <laughs> but I'm just, uh, I am at Kim Moffat. I am correct, but that is not in my hand, unfortunately. Simple personal branding. Also be a smart ass, I guess. That's fine. Either way. There you go. And make sure you keep keep subscribing. Leave us a review if you so choose. Share these episodes. Uh, come back for more conversations about what our America looks like. And we'll we'll have some more, some more great deep conversations and some more of Kim's bad jokes. Oh, yeah. I'm the one with the bad jokes. Everybody knows that. I'm the one with the bad jokes. Thanks.